0: Welcome to Radio Free Culture from WFMU, where we examine issues at the intersection of digital culture and the arts. My name is Liz Berg, and this is the second part of a two-part interview with Elliot Harmon, Communications Manager at Creative Commons. In this episode, Elliot will tell us about recent developments and challenges at Creative Commons. Welcome to the second part of our two-part series opener for Radio Free Culture, focusing on the current state of affairs at Creative Commons. In the previous episode, Creative Commons Communications Manager Elliot Harmon discussed how his organization's goals and focus have both changed and remained the same, as the Internet and Creative Commons usage have grown exponentially. Elliot also told us about new and existing online communities that have adopted the Creative Commons licensing scheme – and the exciting creative potential they hold. In this episode of Radio Free Culture, we'll discuss some current developments and controversies in the Creative Commons universe. This year, the organization has released the fourth incarnation of their licensing suite and has also met a challenge in the German courts. Elliot Harmon enlightens us. Can we get a little bit geeky and discuss the changes that Creative Commons has developed for the 4.0 licensing scheme, which was pretty recently released?
1: 4.0 was big news for a lot of reasons. And I think we we kind of uh, advertised that 4.0 was two years in the making. The reality is that it was a lot longer than that. And the reason is because in the process of what we call porting, creating the internationalized versions of the 3.0 licenses to play well with copyright law in the various countries in which people use them. We, as a community, as our legal team and as our affiliates around the world that work with us on these, learned a lot about how the licenses work internationally, what nuances of the law might need to be accounted for in one country that don't need to be accounted for another. One of the goals with 4.0 was, okay, let's make a license that the porting won't be necessary for, let's create a license that is truly international out of the box. We say it was two years in the making, it was really a lot longer than that because so many of the learnings from that 3.0 porting process were built into it. So we like saying about 4.0 that it really does just work everywhere.
0: That's no small feat because, I mean, I know a little bit more about U.S. copyright law than, say, the average human on the street here in where I am in Jersey City. But, mm. you know, imagine doing that, trying to figure out copyright law, which is really, really complicated here, everywhere else in every other country. Like, how could you possibly get that to work? So I congratulate the lawyers who had to think <laughs> that out.
1: It's it, it is kind of mind-boggling to even think about. And I've met – uh a lot of those affiliates that work with those with us on those licenses uh we had a get together last year in buenos aires and we're hoping to have another one next year although a good chunk of it goes over my head to be completely honest i really love learning about those little nuances and the way in which we incorporate those into the licenses there's another n- improvement in 4.0 which is that it covers other kinds of rights outside of copyright This is especially something that they don't actually have in the U.S., but that they have in Europe called sui generis. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, the Latin term, but it's database rights. In the United States, uh, many kinds of data are not considered copyrightable at all. This is distinctions that I'm... That are, again, a little bit over my head. Uh, please, but- please
0: translate to American. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so if, for example, I were to make a table of all of the presidents of the United States in order, that's not copyrightable. Okay, because- got it. Because that's just facts.
0: Okay, but in another country, that might be copyrightable? Is that what you're saying?
1: There are. Well, this was an, that was an extremely simplistic oh. example, because <laughs> that would just be facts everywhere. Like, for example, environmental data, some kind of database of how many people use public transit in a day or, 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 or something like that. There is this extra set of database rights that in some contexts can, can protect that data. We were noticing increasingly that people were using Creative Commons licenses for databases, and so we had to look at these database rights and say, okay, how do we create a set of licenses that account for those as well? That's that's a kind of heady example that, that might be not extremely relevant to a lot of your listeners, but I think that the bigger point there is that we did that because people were using the CC licenses in ways that we didn't originally expect. So the the license really has evolved as the users of the license have evolved.
0: Can we talk about what happened in the German courts recently?
1: This was really interesting. So this was, as I understand it, and there's I don't know if you have like links that you share with this show. There's a number of really interesting articles out there about this. Um, so this was a German public broadcaster uh, was using photos – Uh, that were shared online using an NC, non-commercial license. Um, And there was a question in court over whether whether they could use those in adherence with the non-commercial license.
0: I read that article and I was like, it hit home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, because the ruling was really problematic in a lot of ways for how everybody – uses non-commercial, and how it's spelled out in the licenses themselves how non-commercial works. In our understanding, uh, the way in which the broadcaster was using them was definitely in accordance with the non-commercial restriction. The court said that it was a commercial use, and its reasoning, and again, you can kind of find the article about this and read a little more about it yourself, its reasoning was that the non-commercial restriction in the licenses was not defined thoroughly enough. And so they had to essentially revert to this other definition of non-commercial that is a German statutory definition. When you look at the licenses themselves, and by the way, this is something I would encourage folks to do is actually read the CC licenses it's it's not it's not fun afternoon reading but it is interesting to read actually what you are what you are agreeing to when you license something under CC uh, in a more thorough way than you see in just the little summary that we provide although there sometimes are edge cases in which little disagreements come up specifically over non-commercial this use was we believe adequately covered in this definition I I think kind of the bigger point here is how rarely disputes over the CC licenses come up in court at all.
0: Is this the Um, first time the non-commercial part has come up in, in any kind of court?
1: No, I think, I think that there was one other, uh, yeah, there was, there were one or two other having to do with non-commercial. Um, but yeah, if you look at this list on our website, I'm looking at it right now. There's literally like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's 10 cases on it. And I don't think that the German one has been added to the list
0: yet. And how so many millions you about the, and, or the, billions of works are licensed right? Of right. This
1: is well over half a billion CC licensed works. They don't come into dispute that often. And I think that that's for a few reasons. One is because <laughs> they are real. Sometimes people have this idea that. CC licenses aren't actually legal documents and they're just kind of this informal thing. They are real and there are is this huge team of lawyers around the world that uh sees to it that all of the weird little edge cases and things are accounted for in the license and that generally speaking people use them in good faith. Generally speaking, licensors are generous in their understanding of the rights that they are licensing and licensees are cautious in their understanding of the of the rights that are being licensed to them and when there is a question over whether a certain use qualifies as non-commercial or whether a certain use might qualify as a derivative work if it's an ND no derivatives license when people email us with those questions we always Give a kind of little answer, but then we say, you know, your best bet is just to talk to the licensor yourself. So people do that, and again, people are kind of working in good faith, and these things don't come into dispute very often. When you look through the times that they have come into dispute, one, no court anywhere has ever ruled the licenses invalid somehow, which we are very proud of. Two, just as importantly, the rulings are correct, in our opinion, and are equally fair, both to licensors and to licensees. The, the licenses are attested in court in a way that reflects both a licensor's understanding of how the license works and the licensee's understanding.
0: Do you think there is a need to clarify the meaning of non-commercial as it relates to Creative Commons, at, you know, since this happened? Do you think the the, the 5.0 version of the licenses might uh, go a step further?
1: The short answer is I honestly don't know if anything will be, like, I don't know when 5.0 will happen. It's honestly not something that anyone is even really thinking about that much right now. There's a few different issues to deal with here. First of all, I'm I'm clicking around in our FAQ because we have this nice little FAQ talking about non-commercial. The actual language from the license is uh, primarily intended for or directed toward commercial advantage or monetary compensation and it's really important that that definition does not hinge on the kind of user at all a a for-profit company can use a work in a way that is compliant with the non-commercial license in certain situations and it, in certain situations a non-profit company might use the license in a way that doesn't comply with the non-commercial license there are inevitably going to be areas in which there is a little bit of confusion and again the the number 1 solution there is just for the licensor and the licensee just to talk with each other.
0: In the early days of the Free Music Archive, and we had this idea, we wanted to create a repository of music that people could download and it wouldn't be illegal and all this stuff and Creative Commons seemed like the very best thing but I wanted to make sure that the non-commercial issue would apply to us as a website, right? Mm -hmm. I looked in the Creative Commons message boards. I really nerded out on this non-commercial issue at the time, which was probably (laughs) 2007, 2008. It was really fascinating to read through these discussions. Is this a non-commercial use? Is this a non-commercial use? Would this be commercial and, and the Debates that were sparked from that were just – were really fascinating at the time. I think that the language that you guys use is is clear enough, but it also allows for enough leeway. You use the word primarily, I think, primarily for commercial uses. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really important.
1: We did – this is a few years old now. In 2008, we conducted a survey among licensors and licensees uh, in how they – how they perceive certain uses on the commercial, non-commercial spectrum. And we published the results from that. It's definitely interesting to take a look at. It's, this is kind of funny timing, uh, partially because of the German case, but also for other reasons. We've been working on a sort of update to that report, uh, which I wish I could give you the URL for right now, but we are literally just finishing it now, and we're going to publish it in the next couple of weeks.
0: Fair enough. So people can stay posted on the Creative Commons website for that. Correct. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I do think, and of, you know, of course, I'm going to uh, <laughs> to always try to bring it back to this. I, I I I do always think that it's worth keeping in sight that actual disputes over any of the license restrictions are are really rare. One because the restrictions are written out in, in a way that's clear. And two, because both licensors and licensees go into it with a certain amount of good faith. There certainly are very vocal elements in our community who have argued that CC should simply deprecate the non commercial and no derives licenses. I bring that up because I think that there are important arguments there to be had. And I think that many people use the non-commercial and notarrives licenses without giving it a fair amount of thought. And, and that sometimes those restrictions can get in the way of creativity and reuse and, and, and sometimes can even restrict uses that you don't intend to restrict.
0: Is there any push on the Creative Commons end to get any copyright reform passed in Washington? Why or why not?
1: Over the years, Creative Commons has had a certain amount of reticence when it comes to discussions of copyright reform. And that's for a number of reasons. And some of that just has to do with our status as a nonprofit. And there are things that, being a nonprofit, we can't say when it comes to politics. There is also always this idea that we are kind of inherently a big tent movement, and it's true when it comes to copyright reform. There are people in the Creative Commons community who are who are very radical in the copyright reform movement, and there are people who are much more conservative. Oh, I shouldn't have used the word conservative because in copyright reform there are allies on both the left and the right, Uh, So, but I think you understand what I mean. A couple of years ago, it became more and more clear that this kind of semi-neutrality in copyright reform issues was untenable for the organization. And this was for a lot of reasons. One of those reasons is that many of our affiliates are... Very, very active in the copyright reform movements in their countries. And another reason, and this was the thing that really got our attention and made us say, okay, we need to make a policy decision here, was people were starting to use the existence of Creative Commons as an argument against copyright reform.
0: Like, we made up our own set of rules that are more desirable to us than the standard set of rules that the government set, and it's going to be church and state here.
1: There were people saying, oh, we don't need to adjust the law to allow kinds of use by default that are not allowed otherwise, or, you know, any of the kind of reforms that people talk about, because copyright holders will solve those problems themselves. For example, look at Creative Commons. Not to make light of it too much, but it's 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 almost kind of like the the market will solve global warming type argument.
0: Got it. Yeah. Um,
1: so that was when we realized, okay, we really do need to make a make a stance here, and we really do need to become more vocal as an organization about copyright reform. We put together this statement that you can kind of dig through our website and find on our website, really endorsing copyright reform in a pretty broad global way. That was kind of just the beginning. The What that did is it allowed all of our affiliates and, and HQ as well to participate in copyright reform discussions with their CC hats on, so to speak, where this is coming up in a pretty big way just in the last few weeks for us is the the very scary copyright extension in the Trans-Pacific Partnership and all of these decisions that are essentially happening in secret. Creative Commons, along with EFF and a number of other organizations, have been very, very vocal in in speaking out against those provisions in the TPP.
0: Well, I'm glad you guys are putting out some feelers in this area because in my opinion it is it is much needed and you have the experience dealing with copyright and also dealing with the desires of creators in this modern age that we live in we're all sharing Mm -hmm. things now more than more than ever
1: i agree and to me and i'm not really speaking for the organization here i'm just kind of speaking for myself personally yeah there are over half a billion creative commons licensed works. That's wonderful. The, 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 the mission of the organization isn't only to make there be as much creative commons licensed stuff in the world as possible. And just, you know, in reality, it will only ever be a very small percentage of copyrightable works that are licensed under creative commons. Our, our, our mission is much bigger than that. Our mission is to help the internet operate at its full potential, that phrase is in our mission statement. To me, all of the success stories of Creative Commons and the stories of how people have transformed Creative Commons licensed works in all kinds of amazing ways and how those ways have... uh, made works more accessible to people who wouldn't have access to them otherwise, either because of economics or because of disabilities or because of language barriers. All of these things are arguments for a copyright law that is more beneficial to users. So to me, the existence of Creative Commons and the success of Creative Commons isn't an argument against copyright reform. It's very much an argument for copyright reform.
0: Thank you, Elliot Harmon, communications manager at Creative Commons, for joining me today on Radio Free Culture. It's so fascinating to hear about the state of affairs at Creative Commons, the the controversies, the, the triumphs. It's all a a very interesting picture for me personally, and I'm sure to all of our listeners. So thank you again.
1: People might be interested to take a look at our annual report that we just published a few weeks ago um, that covers a lot of the same things that we've been talking about here, the improvements in 4.0, the bigger focus on copyright reform and open policy. Folks can See a lot of that stuff on our annual report, and there's a link to it right on our homepage. It's easy to find.
0: Creativecommons.org. Do it, people. Radio Free Culture is produced by WFMU and the Free Music Archive and is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Our theme song is Smoothest Runes by Thick Business and can be found at freemusicarchive.org.